Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by Sly Deleuze. Do you know what? I knew I was going to get it wrong. Come on, hit me with it. What, what is it? Sly the Deuce. It's all good, man. It's all good. It's like, don't, don't say that word. Don't say, oh God, that have gone and done it. Sly, tell us, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? Oh, man, I'm Sly the Deuce. I am from Colorado, currently out in Annapolis, Maryland. I live on the road. Um, I'm a music publisher um, and songwriter. So um, I coach, I, I provide resources to artists to help them primarily learn how to shift from amateur to professional. Um, just some of the fundamentals, how to register with uh, the performance rights organizations, how to capture their royalties, which, you know, kind of why we do it. You know, you, you love the music, you love the passion, you love your art, um, but you definitely want to be able to provide for your family um, doing what you love. And so I kind of help shine some light on that path on, on what they need to do to align themselves correctly to, you know, build wealth as they try to build fame. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. I, I've, I've also written a couple of books. Um, and I uh, go around the world and hop on amazing podcasts like this one, man. Wow, that sounds awesome. So tell me, what, what sort of music and why music? Ah, man, music has always been my um, medium of expression. So it's, it's it, um, I don't know, man, it just resonates with me in a way that, that other, other things don't. Um, and, it, and it touches so many people, you know, like, like uh, there's a saying, you know, mathematics is the same in every language. I feel that way about music. You know, you can listen to music and not necessarily even know what this guy is saying. I can hear a French singer and I don't necessarily know the words because I don't speak French, but I can feel that emotion being imbued through the through the musical elements of that composition. And so that has always drawn to me and that, that power to resonate with others has always drawn to me. Um, and so that's why I lean towards music. Um, but again, I have a, a business mind. And so trying to make sure that um, it doesn't just become empty, hollow, sellable commercial music. That's not necessarily my interest. But I do want to make sure that just because you're um, being you know, passionate and vulnerable, which is what it takes, I think, to make great music, that you're not being taken advantage of from a business perspective. So I help artists um, with that mindset. I imagine that's, that's probably quite key, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, a lot of people are going to have their passions, the things that they love, but commercializing it, you know, taking a profit off it, which absolutely should do about your passion, but I'm sure there's not many can do the crossover, Correct. right? Um, uh, and, and, and I think that that is not a, a slight on their talent or their – just think that knowledge. With more knowledge is more power. So if you're studying music theory and you're studying music – uh, knowledge, right? There's, I, I know some very classically trained musicians, but they know music, you know, they can hear a note and say, oh, did you hear that key change? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know it to that depth, right? 
but they don't know at all about a promotional rollout or pre-orders or the value of having merchandise, you know, that, <laughs> that you can leverage for, for completely different discussions that are ancillary to your music, but the, the entire burden is not on, on your music itself. Um, and so there's a lot of just, I think, knowledge that, that can help artists in that situation. And I think once they come into that knowledge, um, I think it's very easy to grasp. I think it's very, um, I do think it's very easy to grasp. And I think that is where the, some of this, the burn comes from when you hear these horror stories about um, music artists, right? The, they, they go on tour, they're generating millions and millions of dollars. They're staying in luxury hotels. They, they, they get brand new clothes. Uh, they can eat and drink whatever they want. And then at the end of the tour, they get a check for you know ten thousand dollars and they're like hey i thought we made millions and millions of dollars and then the label or the record company says oh yeah but you stayed in the finest hotels and you ate and drank and you know we kept all those receipts and you know that stuff added up like that came out of your cut which is a very basic concept you know that's not like long and drawn out and complex it's just you weren't aware of that that knowledge you did not know that whereas a different perspective that that exact scenario could happen. And I could say, hey, I have no expenses for any of these hotels. I had no expenses for any of the food that I drank. You guys clothed and fed me for a year and I came out with a $10,000 profit. That's awesome because I can take that, reinvest into the marketing of the footage that I got on my own iPhone while I was on tour with the record label. And I can propel an independent career much farther after having done that. So it's just the perspective. Um, and I think some of these things are, are simple, but again, I, I have a, a business mind, I have a business degree. And so I do recognize that I'm constantly thinking of these things. Um, so I don't mean to, you know, to come across condescending when I say these concepts are simple. Um, I just mean that they're not, they're not obtuse. I'm not gonna come and say, oh, well, you wouldn't understand, just give me $4,000 and I'll make it work. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely able and, and passionate about explaining it to artists. Um, and at the same time, if they want to just create their art and, and, you know, they don't want to deal with the business end of things, but they want to be you know, informed and have a trustworthy contact in that space, then I can step in and, and help them out there. That's cool. Because, I mean, I'm sure there is people who are, you know, sort of, it's all about the music and that's it. It's everything else will speak for itself, right? You know, it's, but it's not, it's, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole machine, all the different parts got to play together. Right. Absolutely. Just like in music, you know, imagine if Hmm. in music you have a drummer and he's just like, Hey guys, just, just let me drum. It's like, no, we should probably get the guitarist in here a little bit. Maybe let the singer do his thing from time to time. The drummer may be amazing, but we can't, own you know the drummer can't be it or you're just a drummer and so if you make the best i mean the best music that you can i feel that the marketing is a equal counterpart to that because it's like the same passion that you put into making that music should be applied to making sure that someone hears it because you believe in the value of it you put your everything into that project that composition that beat that lyric you know because there's different different teammates that come together songwriters producers and things like that so you put the most into your portion of it 
like, don't you want others to know about it, right? Like when whoever your football team is or your favorite soccer team or whatever, when they win, don't you go and tell other people, hey, man, did you see the, the Cowboys won yesterday or Manchester United won yesterday? Like, you know, you, you mention it. You want other people to celebrate that with you. And I think it's, it's only natural to bring that same energy to yourself. You know, hey, man, I just put out a great new song. And I think that through proper marketing, you can reduce that spammy feeling, right? Where, hey, grandma, go download my new song, you know? And, <laughs> you know, you've only got so many people that you actually know and love in your, in your real, you know, life. And so being able to use marketing intelligently and strategically can allow you to tap into so many other markets without without the fluff. I mean, you're being introduced as a music artist because there are people who are looking for new music artists, right? I don't have to try to make friends at the new school and then slip it into conversation that I make music and then ask you guys to check it out. It's like, you don't have to have that pressure of why doesn't anybody know me? Why aren't I blowing up? Be, probably because you're just waiting to blow up. That That's a myth. It, it doesn't you know, just happen like that. Um, you've got to promote it. And that's, that's my, my thoughts on that, man. No, that's cool. I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, I suppose it's gotta be all the parts playing together because otherwise, you know, you can be awesome at music. You market it bad and you're going nowhere. Vice versa, you can, you can be poor and you can market like hell and it'll go so far, but it's going to fall down eventually. So it's, it is, as you say, the parts all coming together. Yes, sir. So tell me what, what does fire in the belly mean to you then? Fire in the belly, I think, is the, even when you get down, like when you're, when you're just by yourself, I think that inner voice, what does that inner voice say that it wants to do, you know? Um, and for me, the fire in the belly, like the concept of fire in the belly is, you know, what would I do if, if I had nothing else you know, going on. If I were left alone in the desert <laughs> and I knew that my time was limited, you know, I would, I would probably try to write like the best song I could, you know, <laughs> like just in the thoughts that like, if anybody found this, if I were to die right here now today, what would I want left on this world? And for me, it would be either a poem or a song. Um, and I would try my best to infuse my real thoughts and my spirit and what I want, you know, another person, a traveler in the desert to find. Um, this analogy is getting really deep, really fast, but um, I'm just saying that I think that. Well, the, what would it be called? <laughs> Give uh, it a title. You're found dead with this piece of paper in your dead hand. Claps uh, but I, lived. I would probably call it, but I lived. I feel like but that, I, that cause, cause I'm about, about marketing, you know, the optics would be, you see this dead guy in the desert and he's got his like one hand sticking up and it's like, but I lived, you know, that, that would be, that would be awesome. Um, so yeah, man. And so I think that, you know, for it, it, that whatever you would do to leave your imprint on the world, I feel like that that's your fire in the belly and for different people, it's different things. Um, but, uh, that that's what I that's what I think. Is that is that close to what what you had in your mind when you when you came up with the concept? It's listen, it's it's personal to everyone. That's the beauty of it, you know. There is no right or wrong answer. I tell you now, the most common answer is passion. Yeah. Um, but it kind of is all it all wraps around similar to to you know to everyone too, you know. But would you say you have fire in the belly? Oh, absolutely. 
<laughs> absolutely. I think that everyone who knows me would say that. Um, it's just something, you know, that you can't, I don't know that you like ask for it or sign up for it one day, but you know, you just like, ah, I gotta get more, you know, I want, I want to, to do more and reach more and to help more. Um, because I feel like that was, that was given to me, you know, and some of the things that I've seen and have been exposed to are just like, wow, you know, like, this is really amazing. You know, like I, I want, I want this, I want, I want that. And I think that not from an envious perspective, am I saying that, but from an inspirational perspective, you know, like, wow, I want, I want this. Um, and I want more, you know, like, I feel like sometimes I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And the point of that is to see farther than they saw. Right. So I want to continue to be that and knowing that joy and that inspiration, I want to also give that to others, you know, because that feeling is what drove me. You know, somebody didn't always sit down and say, this is exactly what you need to do. But by seeing some of the results that certain people in my life had and seeing some of the, the, the different, you know, stations in life at which people were operating, that really opened my eyes to what, what habits and what mindsets I needed to embody to get some of these things that I, that I really wanted. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's really, really a fire in my belly to continue in that regard. Cause I've still got people I look up to as well as being cognizant of the fact that there, there are people um, coming behind me that are looking to what I'm doing and feeling inspired as well. So that definitely gives me a very, very fiery belly. <laughs> no, that's cool. So tell, I mean, you mentioned their mindset. So, I mean, does, how much does mindset actually matter here? Do you think? <laughs> Man, mindset, I think mindset is everything. Um, I feel like we've all seen the exercise where they show you the letters of the alphabet numerically, then they add them up and they say like, I think it equals 90 or 99. Um, but it's like, you know, attitude is 90% of, of, the, of the equation. Attitude, I think mindset is, is absolutely everything. Um, I think this morning you and I had a perfect example. It seems small, but it, it's, it's a perfect example. We were having some audio issues when we first started. Um, and, you know, we both had a smile on our face and we, we, we figured it out. You know, you, you gave a solution. I tried it. It ended up working. Um, but that, that small thing right there could have easily gone awry. You know, I could have gotten very flustered. Uh, I may have said, I'm having audio issues, man. Let's just reschedule. Um, or my mindset in general, we may have pressed on, but my mindset would be gloomy. I'd have some, you know, some, some different answers than I have. So I think that the mindset is, is huge in a, in a broader scale, bigger than just, um, audio issues. I, I really think that it, 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 it boils down to everything, man. Um, and, and going back into your marketing, I think it's huge because you can tell an artist's mindset from their marketing. When, when I see an artist who says, hey, support me, man, I'm a local band. That's, I don't, I don't think that you've got what it takes off the bat because you introduced yourself as a local guy. Why do I care that you're local, right? Like music is, is global. Good music is good music. You know, I'd rather you say, hey man, I'm an up and coming star 
or you know I'm I'm a newcomer or something like that but just you just being local or hey I went to the same high school as you buy my CD like these are not relevant reasons and I think that when you're truly confident in what you're doing and you have the mindset to say man I'm 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 good on a global scale I don't have to compare myself to these four blocks I make good music period you know it doesn't have to be regionally based um, to have credibility that level of confidence right there sets you apart um and i believe that you know it, i could i could go on for days about the mindset but i really do believe that the mindset is the most important because there's going to be times there's going to be long periods of time where there are not external reinforcements to your vision you're not going to feel like it's going the way you planned it it's not going to look it's not going to feel like you thought it would feel and to have the mindset to still maintain that vision in your mind and still keep pressing forward towards that that goal that you can't necessarily see over the horizon right now that's what separates you i mean that's what what gets you there that makes total sense really and just out of curiosity i mean from a like a music point of view is is there any particular like particular song or, or band that stands out for you in terms of really strong mindset? I know it's a bit of a random question, but that's a great, it's a great question. Um, there's, there's, there's so many though. Um, I mean, little Richard, uh, Howlin' Wolf. I'm thinking back to the guys in the blues era. Um, the blues brothers, um, ZZ Top, those guys have been doing their thing for, for how long? You know, uh, the group, I mean, the list really just goes on, man. You got R&B singers, uh, Usher, any, I would say this, man, anybody that you can name because these people are people, you know, they go through real life all the same. Can you imagine, you know, have you ever dealt with a breakup? Yeah, a breakup can really, really mess you up, you know, mentally and, and, and emotionally. So imagine legitimately being in love with another human being, having that connection, going through a breakup and then having to go perform party hits that night. You know, like this is their job. You know, they do this professionally and just the resolve um, and the perseverance to be able to get out there time after time after time after time again. Um, and the things that they have to sacrifice just in terms of time with their loved ones, uh, the ability to, you know, reach out and touch someone. I'm sure they spend a lot of time on the phone, but that's different than just sitting on the couch and, you know, having a cup of coffee with your mom in the morning. So I think that anybody you can name, um, that is, you know, on a consistent and continuous music making uh, career trajectory, I think they're all dealing with, with, with that. It's interesting because I mean I suppose a lot of people would say you know and certainly in the in the human mind you know we're 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 pain based we're like eighty percent pain twenty percent pleasure whatever the stats are yeah 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 it's probably similar in the music industry isn't it you know it's like I don't know for some reason I'm thinking of Taylor Swift you know she's she's still annoyed at her ex you know it's like <laughs> it's like it's like pain it's like how much pain do we need to have before we have the pleasure but but the music industry like everything else is pain driven too right yes yes because it 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 helps. It, it, we connect there. I feel that um, we are very conscious of our pain 
And um, I think you said something a little bit earlier in the conversation about when you say what you want the other person to hear, right? And we, we tend to do that. And so, excuse me, we tend to do that. And we feel because we do that, that the world sees us in this positive vibe, this positive light. And only we are truly aware of the depths of our pain. So when we hear another person express pain that has similar depths to ours, we resonate with it. And we feel like nobody else knows why I you know, resonate with this song so much. It's a, it's a private connection between me and Taylor Swift in this case, right? And so the music industry is aware of that. They've got psychologists and very, very, very smart people doing the thing for the marketing, which goes back to marketing. And so that's where I think that that connection comes in. It's the same reason that, you know, drama TV is so popular um, or true crime series and things like that are so popular. Um, so I don't think, I don't know if, you know, it, it's, a, it's a judgment on whether that's like right or wrong, but I, I definitely think that, that that makes sense. And I think that that, on its different note, is a true challenge to, to those who wish to make art. I think there's a, a myth, a very prevalent myth out there that if you can just mimic the sounds that a person is making, if you can just, you know, get on TV and jump around and, 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 and mimic some of the behaviors that you can have a successful music career. And I, I would definitely challenge that notion and go back to the example I gave about can you deal with a breakup and channel that into a hit song? Because that is really the challenge to have to go through life. And not only do you experience it, but you experience it again and again and again and again through writing these songs, practicing these songs, performing these songs, you know, to really manage your pains and your insecurities and use them as the foundation for your growth, that I feel like that's an incredible challenge uh, for a human being. And, and, and it's a wonderful challenge for those uh, who are on that path. I love that. Cause I mean, if you can, as you say, you can change the polarity of something that instead of pulling you down and makes you feel bad, you stand on the shoulders of that and you use that as a, as a foundation point, as a, an outlook, then yeah, you can use it to your benefit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you'll connect with others because again, that's, that's inspirational. Um, it, it's inspirational when you hear a song, you know, um, and, and it, and it motivates you. It's, it's, and that's why people sing along. They're like, Oh, I wish, I wish I thought of that. You know, I, w- I wish I talked like this guy. I wish I was that cool when I walked in the room. And when that song is playing, you have the ability to sing along and, and you're envisioning you know, yourself in that place. And that's the wonderful, um, like I said, power of music because you can help a person, even if they're not aware of it. You know, a person doesn't always turn off the radio and say, I feel inspired today. But, <laughs> but, but, they, but they do, you know, they do feel that even though they, they may not express that. And so being aware of that power and, and, and really putting that passion into it on the front end I think, like I said, is, is an incredible opportunity for any, anybody that makes music or any, anything else. I mean, if you do it, however your fire in the belly is expressed, but you know, for me, it's music. I was going to say, what, what part of that, I mean, you, and you talked about it being an art, you know, what, what part of the art do you treasure the most? I mean, what, what sort of really resonates with you? Man, for me, I really think that the 
the beat, the composition, the um, that's the foundation. I really feel that, you know, I'm a I'm a Tesla fan, and I mean the the actual professor, and so he spoke a lot about resonance and vibrations. And I feel, you know, I believe that the universe is made of vibrations and frequencies. And so when a beat maker or a composer puts together, frankly, I mean, they're just vibrations. You know, the drum pattern is a certain set of vibrations, whereas the violins is a different resonance and things like that, but it's vibrations. And so I feel that that's true, like wizardry. I mean, you're literally taking the essence of the universe, which is sounds and vibrations and bringing them together. And then where I feel the big opportunity for me is, and the honor is like translating that. I think about it like closed captions. So you've got this beat, you've got this sound, and then the songwriter comes in and translates, okay, this is what the sounds of the universe are saying to me. If I had to put it in words, you know, because it is just a feeling, but sometimes people don't want, sometimes the feeling can be overwhelming, frankly. I think that is why we, we don't always enjoy just instrumental music. The, 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 the voice can help soothe what I think our, our, our natural uh, spirit actually feels, which is, like I said, the, the vibrations of the universe. But I think that, the, like I was saying, the songwriter gets to come in and then translate that. Um, and then based on the listener's response, you get to see how true that translation was. That's how I feel that uh, that cycle of music goes, I guess. That, that's the relationship in my mind of the creators, the songwriters, and then the listeners. It's interesting. I mean, the language you use is, is quite, uh, it's quite strong towards the kinesthetic, you know, the, the, the feeling, the touching, the doing, I feel the beat, you know, and things like that. You, the, with the odd reference to listening, but you, you're more feeling the music, if that's, that's what's coming across anyway, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that music is, it's, I mean, I can't really explain the, I, I can attempt to, but the, the pervasiveness of music. I mean, there's music in your, adver, in your advertisements. There's music when you're waiting on an elevator. There's music when you're, when you're very, very, very young. Your mother touches her stomach and may hum to you. She may sing to you before you're ever born. Um, and again, when you just go back to vibrations, that's, that's all that there is. When kids are afraid of the vacuum cleaner, right? Yes, they hear it, but they also feel it. You know, the floor shakes when you vacuum. And so I do believe that, I mean, hearing is really just, your, you have an eardrum and it's catching vibrations. So your whole body can hear from that perspective if you think about it as receiving vibrations. And so when I talk about music, um, absolutely. When a, when a, you know, you're like, ah, you can feel that. Or like when you're in a crowd and there's that collective, ah, you know, even if the guy singing doesn't say now scream, it just, there's a swell there, you know, they can, they can build those in and music can take you to some very, very deep, you know, some, some, to some lows. Um, and it can be, you know, a drug. I think it, it's a very amazing, uh, acute, drug if you want it to be you can put on the saddest 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 song if you want and then dive right into a happy song you know next um and i'm in no way encouraging drug use i'm just saying that i understand how music can give you a truly euphoric 
or a truly despondent feeling. Um, and so that's why I use that language because I, I feel, I feel <laughs> that uh, music absolutely has a, has a way to go deeper than, than, like I said, even language. Because I think when you, you can listen to a song that's in another language, um, the opera is a perfect example. You know, there are thousands of people that go to the opera every year and have no idea what the, the, what they're saying, you know, but it's, it's beautiful music nonetheless. No, it makes, it makes total sense. So take us, take us back, Sly. I mean, we're junior Sly. Who were we? What were we doing? What sort of a, what sort of a kid are we talking to? Oh man, junior Sly, little Sly. Um, I was, I was husky. I had the big glasses, uh, had asthma. Wow. <laughs> um, man, little Sly. So how did I get started with music? I actually started to use, um, like as a defense mechanism, to be honest, it was, you know, being on the schoolyard, being prone to, uh, you know, getting a bully's attention. Cause like I said, I had the big glasses. I was a heavier kid. Um, and so starting to be able to use my wit, use my intelligence to have clever comebacks. And then, you know, as a little kid, everything, you know, that rhymes is first of all, easy to remember. Um, and you get extra giggles if, if you can make, if, if you can make it rhyme. And so I feel like that snowballed into a natural progression of like saying clever jabs and making them rhyme. Um, so then, you know, as a youngster, maybe middle school or so, I really got into like battle rap, you know, like using my rhymes to like attack the other person and having them, you know, jab back at me. And so really formalizing, um, you know, not necessarily a bullying situation where one person doesn't want to be involved in this, but being able to step into an arena where, okay, hey, we're, bo we're both here for this. I'm here to talk my trash. You're here to talk your trash and the crowd's going to get a, a kick out of it. And, and so that, that arena really, really appealed to me. Um, and I really, really got an understanding and an appreciation for, you know, songwriting, you know, when you're listening to the radio and that song is two and a half minutes long, and four people co-wrote it, you know, to make sure that it was a hit, that's all well and good. But when you're in the battle rap arena and you've got to rap three five-minute uh, rounds, I mean, we're talking about a UFC fight. We're talking about an MMA fight length of just rapping. You know, you've got to have material endlessly, you know? And so that really gave me a whole new appreciation for the power of just writing, you know? And, and, through that, I really found, um, I was in high school around this point, you know, senior year, I took a, a, a college prep creative writing course. And so it, it was very similar to this show, actually, where you're asking me some questions and I'm, I'm verbalizing them. This class, he would ask us some very, you know, ethereal or open-ended questions and then we would, we would write about them. And I actually still have notebooks from, from that class where I just, you know, expanded on thoughts and, and, and that allowed me to really see, wow, what are the things that I keep saying? What are some of the things that are subconsciously being repeated? What are some patterns that I'm, you know, living and also writing about? Um, and so again, I got a, a deep, deep appreciation for the craft of songwriting. Um, and then I went and, and met with some guys um, right before I went away to college. And we started really, you know, professionally, you know, with the paperwork and everything like that. 
putting out some some material um and i would say the rest is history man i've been been doing my thing successfully for about 10 man, 2008 so it's about been about 12 years at this point um and the growth is just you know humbling <laughs> but um and, and a consistent consistent uh challenge you know something that i, I wake up excited about doing um and so yeah i mean i feel like you asked about junior sly i brought you back to adult sly um i'm sure there's a lot <laughs> that we can go back and shade in if if you like no it's cool because I'm, I'm i'm curious you know and, and interesting you, was, you know you were talking about you know how it was a bit of a, a mechanism for you and that's cool you know in terms of because i mean sort of teen sly i mean what what were you what was what were you going to do when you grew up as such what was on the cards I was gonna make money. Um, cool. I went to <laughs> as a child. I was in uh, bank camp, which is like summer camp, but nothing like you know the woods and the cabins and lakes and all the other stuff. I was in bank camp, so we would go to this bank. It was called Young Americans Bank. Um, and we would learn banking all summer. And uh, at the end of the summer, we would have um, currency given to us throughout the, throughout the summer. We would learn currency and currency exchange and things like that, how business was done. And then we'd have like a world fair um, where our parents would come in, friends and family would come in, and we would actually like transact business at our own little businesses. Um, and so as a kid, I just knew like, man, I need to, I need to have a business, you know, I need to have a business. Um, and one of the, one of my favorite stories, um, <laughs> just to give some, some shading on how I grew up, my, my mother would give, uh, we would go to, I don't know what stores you guys have out there, out here, they're called Sam's or Costco, you know, those big bulk retailers, wholesalers, and we'd get the fundraiser M&Ms or the mixed candies or the blow pops and things like that. And, um, you'd go to school with those in the morning and you know, whatever you had sold by lunchtime was your lunch money. And so that was a, a very strong motivator to, <laughs> to drive sales. And so I, I, I just love the sales functionality. Uh, I think the methodology of it, when it, when it really works, you know, benefits both parties. Um, and so to get back to the root of the question, teen Sly was going to somehow, some way, share the knowledge of like how to get money right like i really that's that's actually my my um one of my taglines right now let's get money and when i say get i mean understand and comprehend let's really learn how to leverage our finances let's learn how to leverage our wealth to create momentum with our money and not feel just like an uphill battle at all times um but use it to you know empower some of our endeavors so teen slide was very very interested in that but um also you know i was a teenager so i was angry about stuff some stuff had me down you know i was i was um learning the difference between you know like like real friendship as opposed to just that high school stuff where just hey you know these guys are uh being reckless and i just want to be reckless so i guess we're friends and then you know finding out the, the difference between you know what you know you're going through relationships at that age and really understanding what what that means and dealing with other people um so yeah teen slide was was writing a lot should i say i was definitely writing a lot 
Um, but I hadn't, I think I spoke before about having the confidence to, to be that vulnerable. You know, I was dealing with it uh, through writing and things like that, but I wasn't as confident to say, you know what, I'm going to go make a song about this. You know what, I'm going to get this off my chest. I was still, you know, a teenager thinking I just got to bottle it all up and deal with it all. Um, so yeah, that's, that's some of what I was dealing with back then. That's awesome. I mean, the writing has, has been sort of in, you know, it's been there with you the whole time and that's, that's, it, it comes across that that's your medium to, to, to actually express, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel that when I, when I write something, it's very interesting. When I write something, I get it off of my, my mind, but it's still in my heart until I record it. And that took me a little while to, to realize about myself, but once I record it, then I feel, I don't know, I feel like maybe like a karmic balance is what I'm alluding to is because I feel like, okay, that's out there now. It's not a secret thought. I'm no longer holding this in. And even if I write it, Yes, I got it off my mind, but if I just have in my journal, man, the Fire in the Belly podcast was the greatest thing I did. I'm so glad I did this. Pete's such a great guy. Thank you, Mr. Stone, X, Y, and Z. But that's in my journal and nobody else gets to see it. Does that still have the same value? Whereas if I put it out there, you have a choice to go see it, to go read it, to go download it, or you have a choice not to. But I, but I did put it out there. And so I feel for me, that when I record things and they're, like I said, they're out in the, into the universe, then it's like, it's free, it's off of my heart. And what I've found is I'm, you know, I've started to feel my, I can feel emotionally when I'm at my like limit and I can say like, I got to write, you know, I got to, I got to get something out or I'll have so many songs that are already written. Um, and it might be a certain season in my life, right? Like something happened to me, um, you know, I felt betrayed by a friend and I'm writing on that wavelength and I've got some really great material, but okay. I don't want to just be carrying around these thoughts anymore because again, the power of music, if I'm repeating lines and I'm repeating, even if they're my own lines, if I've just got angry thoughts flowing around in my mind, it's like, all right, I need to get these out. I need to record them while the feeling is fresh. I don't want them to be stale and forced. So I do need to record them. I do need to get them out. But then I want to let that go. Because again, like I said, it's really about using it to grow, not using it to just create a festering sore in your own mind. And I think you've got to really be cognizant of, of the power of your music because that, that type of thing can happen. And that's awesome. I mean, what, do, how do we get you in the flow state then? Where, where, is your, where is your happy place and where are you just, it comes? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm, 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 it's not going to be hard. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty close to the flow state normally. Um, my filter is, is pretty, pretty lenient. Um, so, but yeah, you know, just talking about music, talking about self, I really enjoy hearing, um, you know, other people's story. I just, I just love connecting. I'm really into, um, psychology as well. That was one of my, my minors when I was in school. And so, I mean, again, I, I enjoy conversation. It definitely is not tough. I don't know if there is an open sesame catchphrase that activates the flow state for me. But, um, yeah, man, we can, we can just keep, you know, keep flowing like we are. No, that's awesome. I mean, and, and there, in terms of, 
you know, I'm sort of going backwards and forwards in time here, but I mean, in terms of you activating your potential and, and where you're at, I mean, are you where you are supposed to be right now? I mean, do you feel like you're, you're on the right path unleashing your potential? Yeah, that's, a gr- that's a great question. It's <laughs> a really good question. I, I absolutely feel like I am on the, the correct trajectory. And I think that, I think that I have an opportunity. I spoke before about mindset. You asked about mindset. There's a lot of times where as you mature and as you get older, you have the opportunity to look back and reflect. And I think how you reflect your mindset while you're reflecting is, is so key because if you beat yourself up and say stuff like, man, I should have done this or if I had done this when I was 17, where would I be now? That's just such a, a, a I think, a, a worthless exercise because there's so many variables. I mean, what if what if you had drowned when you were 13? Then then what? You know, what if what if you had been hit by a car? There's so many different things and we, we get so imaginative. Here's where it really hurts you, I think. We get so imaginative when we think we're imagining things we could never do. Now I'm going to unpack that a little bit. When we are saying, "Man, if I had a, if I had the information that I had now when I was 17, I could have been bigger than Michael Jackson." It's like, wow, that's a, that's such a huge imaginary thing that you're thinking up. But, but you're also in that safe space of this isn't happening. I don't expect this to happen. It's not real. So I'm just going balls to the wall with this imagination. And I feel like that same imagination can be applied to the life you're actually living. You know, you don't have to only be imaginative in this space of failures. Your failures don't have to get all of your imaginative and creative power. Use some of your creative power for what you actually have and what you actually are living right now today. Um, Yeah. No, it, it it makes sense in terms of you know actually being able to to utilize your power and and a question I would have there is just I mean what what is your superpower do you believe? Yeah, my superpower is knowing people. I I I am big on. It's, I, I'm a firm believer like it's not what you know, it, it's who you know, um, and relationship development and relationship management is not to be taken lightly. It is not, um, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a negative thing. And I don't think it's an empty thing to say, you know, Hey, I know people to be able to cross network and, and plug people in is sort of, I think remnant of a switchboard operator, uh, back when, you know, telecommunications was really just starting to take off. And you had those people that had to, you know, Hey, I need to be connected to this person and somebody, pulls this widget out and sticks it in that socket and so on and so forth. I feel like that function has, has been with us long before, uh, you know, Ma Bell and all her collection of companies got started. Um, we, even in the bartering system, you know, the, the tradesmen or the, that down at the marketplace, knowing who, Hey, I don't sell that, but I know that guy over there does and being able to, you know, help out with, with mutual growth, I think is one of the cornerstones of civilization, frankly, and so I would say that my superpower is knowing that my superpower is knowing other people. And it's a very, very, <laughs> it's a very interesting uh, dichotomy because 
there's such a confidence, you know, I come with such a confidence, but that confidence is in knowing that, hey, I don't, I don't claim to have all the answers, you know, I just, I just can plug you into the guy who has the answer for your question, who has the answer for your question. Um, and, and that actually knowing a person gives me incredible amounts of confidence. Um, and and it, it allows me to pour that confidence into my contacts, into the people that I work with. I tell them all the time, hey, man, like even you right now, man, whoever's watching this right now and listening to me and hearing my voice for the first time, that is on behalf of conversations that you and I have had. And you made the decision to have me on your show, which I'm incredibly appreciative of. But my rapping didn't get me here. Right. My relationship with you got me here. And that is relationship management at work. And so I, I definitely think that's my superpower. <laughs> Just try to duck that karate chop you threw at me there. So <laughs> no, but it is so true. I mean, it's because uh, it was I've just, I've just checked there. You were talking about, you know, the change in the, the alphabet into, uh, into numbers and, and it's attitude. You know, you, yeah. you add up, you add up the letters of the word attitude and you get a hundred percent. So it's, it's so true in terms of, you know, there and, and, you know, what, you know, what's the right attitude, you know, and, and, you know, knowledge, hard work is only part of it, but it's, it's, it's attitude is the bit that fills it out. So it makes so, so much sense. What, I mean, of all the things you've done then, I mean, what, what, what's sort of a really proud moment? What stands out for you? I, man, I, I went, I met a woman and we formulated a plan together. We, we, we had a relationship, we, we instantly hit it off, the chemistry was there, um, and we formulated a plan to like build a life that we really, really like actually wanted to live, right? Not, not a life that was built strictly on our parents being proud of it or all of the societal metrics, like we have a good job, and we have a luxury apartment and we have now, you know, we're on our path to having two and a half kids, whatever, whatever that half a kid is. Um, and so we actually, you know, really intelligently and strategically formulated a plan to build the lives that we wanted. And then we followed through with it. And I think I'm, I'm currently in the midst of that right now. You know, I wanted to go full time with the music creation and the, the music consulting with other artists and things like that. Um, and, you know, doing, like I said, traveling full time, doing, uh, doing shows like this and being able to really right now in the moment, you know, I'm actually living it, I think is a very proud moment for me and for us. Um, she knows who she is. She's, she's not watching right now because this is pre-recorded, but, <laughs> um, but I do feel that I wanted to really structure a life where I didn't have to go back and cherry pick one-offs. Like, oh, this was a really cool day. I was proud of myself. I really just wanted to build a life where I was proud of it every day. Like everything that I'm doing fits into my goals and my overall vision. So, you know, not to say that nothing will ever stand out, you know, like my wedding day or something like that. But I'm just saying that I, uh, I'm really most proud of just like the everyday efforts of, of myself, man, and, and what, what I'm really working towards going back to having that vision, having that, 
that picture, that clear picture in your mind to actually see it, you know, because there was long stretches of time where I couldn't even see it over the horizon. And now it's still a ways off, right? It's still, I, but I can see it though. I can actually see it in the distance. I'm actually approaching it um, and continuing to, to take a step forward day by day is, a, is an incredibly proud feeling. In terms of that, I mean, is that something you pulled up through, you know, was it all part of your childhood or is that something you've had to really sort of hone yourself in terms of positive attitude, focus, goals, where you're going, you know, and and being proud of you? No, that was definitely, um, that was the talk track from day one. Um, (laughs) My my mom used to do an exercise um, where we would put our arms out to the side and if you know somebody presses down on your arms while you got them out and you say i think i can't i think i can't i think i can't and we would time how fast you know your arms fell and then you would do it again and she would press on the arms and you would say i think i can i think i can i think i can and you would time how long it took and then she would show you like look you you lasted 30 seconds while you were saying, I think I can, and you lasted, you know, eight seconds. So just the, the power of a positive mindset, um, the, the Henry Ford saying, you know, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. You know, things like that were being expressed to me at a very young age. And I mean, they were, they were not passive messages, you know, like that I caught on Sesame Street. It was like a legit, hey, why are you crying? You know, we talked about positive mindset. If you focus on the negative, you're gonna get more negative. You need to, you know, this is an opportunity. This is not a setback. This is a growth opportunity. And so really, really the positioning of the mindset was 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 heavily stressed um, when I was a child. And then, um, you know, I had to make the choice whether I was going to continue that rhetoric in my own mind or not. Um, and I, I definitely, enjoy and, and um, promote that same talk track and ideology because you know it's not just my family didn't make up the power of positive thinking um, but we certainly you know work our hardest to to uh, to leverage it now that we're aware of it. I mean that's a hell of a thing to take on I mean legacy or, or to pick up from your from your environment and to have that today right to, to sort of yeah yeah to be absolutely. Part of you. <laughs> yeah it's incredible you know, it's, and there's so many people and, and, you know, and we talked about the music industry and, and how pain feels so much of it and, and, you know, where people are at, you know, but it's, it's trying to get the, the right mix between the two. Just, I mean, in terms of, you know, your, your university or your college degree, what, what did you study there? What did you come through that with? Uh, I started as a psychology major originally. Um, and then I realized like I said before, I, I was very interested in being able to um, operate in the space of self-ownership. You know, I wanted to, didn't necessarily know what type of business I wanted to have, but I knew I wanted to have my own uh, multiple revenue streams and things like that. So I just didn't see, I really enjoyed the, like the mental aspect of psychology, but I didn't want it to be my profession. And then when I realized that marketing was like, pretty much a psychology degree with a bigger paycheck i was like wow this is this is totally for me you know um and i actually took so i took management i, I got a dual degree in 
management and marketing with a minor in psych. And um, I always say that I took marketing defensively. I, I didn't really take it so that I could be the world's greatest marketeer. Um, I took it so that I could really be aware and understand the world in which I was living so that I could make more informed decisions without operating from some of the emotional triggers, some of the psychological triggers um, that, that are imbued into marketing strategies. Um, and it helped me to just be, be more aware. Um, I spoke a little bit earlier when I said that, you know, there are business deals that they're not really complex and convoluted. It's just you weren't aware that that was the clause. I feel that same way about marketing. There's a lot of very simple tactics, very simple um, strategies that make perfect sense when they're spelled out. But the average consumer, you know, isn't aware. You know, they don't know that movie theaters make it a little bit chilly inside the movie theater because when you're a little bit chilly, you want to eat because when you eat, your body naturally warms up due to the digestive process. It all makes sense if we're watching Bill Nye, the science guy, but you don't think about that when you are just going to the movie theater. But the movie theater is, and so they've got the theater tuned or churned down just a little bit chilly. Is that evil? Is that wrong? I don't, I don't think so. It just makes perfect sense. But when you put it on a mass scale, right, and now they've sold $84 million worth of popcorn, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, the, 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 those ad guys got me, those marketers, those dirty marketers. And so I wanted to, um, like I said, tap into the, to the profitability of understanding how to leverage optics and market yourself, but also be uh, more defensive and be able to protect my family from some of the, uh, some of the more unsavory characters in the marketing world. How quickly did you did you fall into your into your vibe in terms of you know what you wanted to market because you know there's fifty things you could have marketed but you you sort of you've gone into the you know the music industry and you've gone into that and that just seems to be where you're resonating best is that, is that fair Yeah, I think that um, I really think that it's more of a lifestyle brand um, branding yourself. And I, I think that that happened fairly quickly while I was in college. I, uh, I, the first day of college, I skipped all my classes and stood outside of the cafeteria. And when any, I mean, literally from the morning until night, I just stood outside the cafeteria. And when anybody walked in, I said, hey, I'm Sly. Hey, hey, I'm Sly. Hey, I'm Sly the Deuce. And, you know, some people shook my hand. Some people were just like, who is this guy? You know, but I said hello to every single person that was there. And, you know, one of my friends asked me, why, you know, why, why did you do that? And I said, everybody on this campus, I mean, we're talking hundreds, thousands of people, you know, they don't even know why, but they've all met Sly before. That's, that's going to tie them together in ways even they're not aware of right now. So throughout the course of my college career, I could throw a party. I could, I was president of um, one of the student government uh, bodies, you know, so I was involved in multiple things, but when I popped up on the scene, oh, Sly is at this party. I don't know why, but I know I know that guy. I feel like I've met that guy before. You know, everyone had this sort of familial feeling with me. And that was a very, very strategic thing for me. And so then that gave me 
the ability to say, okay, you already know me. What do you like know most about me? What resonates most? And so, like I said, I was able to leverage that into some, some very resume building jobs. I was able to get in good with some faculty members. I was able to get in with the student body um, to, to have some leadership roles among them and, and host events and throw parties and things like that that would bring attention to other people's creative craft. And so that's when I really realized the power of, of, of networking, um, especially at a college campus or, you know, really any school situation, they're just perfect incubators. They're perfect social incubators. Um, I think university is a little bit better because you get a more broader uh, demographic. You know, people are coming from farther away uh, than you would have at your normal middle school or high school. But the ability to really, really tap in and, and uh, like socially engineer, you know, your, your, your image or your branding, I think um, I took to it fairly quickly while I was in college. So I guess you'd also have to add in the time before I was in college, but then the growth gets exponential. You know, the, the more you know, the more you're able to reinvest its knowledge and, and keep growing. Going back to what you'd said previously in terms of, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, big glasses, bit chubby, you know, and, and all that. But that that was the original compensation that was, you know, uh, to distract or to, to sort of appeal here. I do this. I, I you know, I, I take away from this factor. But it, it almost sounds like that sort of continued, but then ultimately then shifted into a positive, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and so some of the things that I used to be very you know, down on myself about, I realized, you know, restraints. So what I tell people now is like, if you ask me, Hey man, do you, do you play basketball? I say, Oh my God, man, I'm an all American. I'm talking like Olympic team announcer, you know, <laughs> I'm aware that I'm not a basketball player, you know, but I've got the voice. If you guys need it, if you guys need an announcer, you guys need a sportscaster, you know, and that when I think about it, like what game, have you been watching that didn't have a sportscaster? I mean, that's that's part of it. The guy who's screaming, it's a slam dunk. He, he, he throws the ball to Jordan, Jordan Baker Pippen. Oh, the Bulls go. You know, that's part of that magic. And so being able to realize, wait, I may not be the star athlete, but the, the announcer gets to see all the games. He doesn't just, you know, there's so much of a rich um, experience that he gets as well. And so to take it back to, you know, being a youngster and, and being more heavy set and, and being a social outcast at some points. And, and that wasn't just because I was heavy. I'm not trying to make it seem like everybody picked on the fat kid. I was also homeschooled for some portions. Um, my, my learning style was very, was very, very different. I, I was, I was a voracious reader. So I was, I was sometimes ahead of where the, the other students would be. And so that would, make I would end up bored in class and then I would act out because I wasn't being challenged so on and so forth so I did a lot of like homeschooled self-propelled learning and so I didn't learn a lot of the social cues that I think are conditioned into children you know through the school system so there were some just social cues and things I didn't I didn't know you're not supposed to say that so I was having you know adult conversation or talking about some some deeper level questions to an angry sixth grader. And then that, you know, resulted in getting punched in the face. So, so there was some, some opportunities there to also learn how to uh, fit in amongst my peers um, for me, but I'm, I'm trying to get back to the original, the original question. So 
being alone or being homeschooled and having those different interactions um, allowed me, I think, the opportunity to really write and express some of those feelings that I just don't think were available to, to some of my peers at the time. They may have been dealing with um, you know, some very, very tough circumstances, whether financially, based on their family, emotionally, you know, whatever they were dealing with. And then just the, you know, being in the school system, they're, they're constantly, there's something that they have for you to do, right? They're constantly telling you to do something, you're constantly being supervised. And I'm not saying that's a negative. I'm just saying that my day was, was differently, was structured different. So there were times where I was able to just sit and expound as a child on how did that make you feel? You know, what did you, you know, I was encouraged to think through my emotions, talk through them and things like that. And I think that gave me um, the push in the right direction to have the, the mental fortitude to be able to write some of these things. And, and like I said, feel confident in my writing at, at later stages in life. What, where, where is your happy place? Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hearing marketing, I'm hearing writing, I'm hearing, you know, making the best of other people. What's, you know, Leisure, pleasure. What what are we seeing you do? And and you know where where's your my happy place? Um, my happy place is I don't know. Man. <laughs> my happy place, I think, is seeing the 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 people that matter most to me smiling. You know, I want to see them well. Um, and, and, and comfortable, you know, that doesn't have, I don't necessarily, when I talk about marketing and, and wealth management and wealth accumulation and things, I don't just mean gaudy jewelry and big houses just for the sake of having them. But the, the actual peace of mind that comes from, you know, ownership, the actual peace of mind that comes from, you know, not, we, we spoke earlier about avoiding pain. My happy place is my, my pain-free place. When I feel that, okay, this is taken care of, um, you know, minor, not minor things, but those things that are consistent and constant in the back of our mind, right? I'm hoping that our family's taken care of financially, emotionally, physically. I hope that the, the house doesn't topple in on top of my wife, right? You know, you want a sound foundation for your family. Um, and that makes me happy. But experiencing that alone doesn't because I, it, 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 makes, it makes you, it can be lonely, uh, when, you know, if you're the only one experiencing success, and I think that success is actually measured in how many other, how many people you've helped, you know, to just be able to store gold in the basement, as much as I'd love to have gold in the basement, I don't, but <laughs> as much as I'd love to just have a storehouse of gold in the basement, I, I would feel better knowing that I was the guy that people knew could show them where to find gold. You know, hey, I, I talked with Sly the Deuce and I was enriched. When I spoke with Sly the Deuce, it wasn't just all about him, but he's an incredible guy. He's great. He's intelligent. And he showed me how I can do better. You know, I'm aware very much that um, people are out for themselves. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I mean that in the truest sense of self-perseverance you know when it really boils down even when you're in the airplane what do they tell you if the airplane goes down and those little masks drop down put your mask on first and then help you know the next person that's just basic human nature and so i think i don't have this storyline going where it's all about other people it's all about other people it's all about other people and then then something actually happens and i find out that i've got cognitive dissonance with myself because 
turns out I'm a human being who's going to, you know, put self-perseverance first. I just go into it knowing that and saying, okay, how do I truly self-persevere? I help, I get myself in the minds of other people. If I can embed myself in other people's stories, if, if other people are winning and when they're in an interview asked, who's been some of your biggest influences? And they say, oh my God, this guy named Slide the Deuce. That's a true way for me to get my own message and my own ideology out there farther. And so I just frankly look at it like that. And I'm most happy when, you know, other people are, are winning. That's, there's, there's, there's so much there. I'm going to try and unpack some of it, but first of all, I mean, would you classify yourself as intuitive? I mean, are you, are you in tune to what people are thinking, energy levels, what's going I on? I think so. I, <laughs> that's such a moving scale. Um, I think I'm more intuitive than some and less intuitive than others. <laughs> That's, and do you, would you bring that into play whenever you're sort of, you know, making decisions or trying to sort of your day-to-day -day life? Do you, do you go by how you feel and, and that's the sense inside you? That, that's part of it, but absolutely. One of my biggest and most favorite sayings is follow your heart. I mean, I really believe that your intuition and your, you know, like I said, the vibrations in the universe, we talked about that earlier. They're real, you know, like trust your gut feelings um, and, and learn to, you know, to hone them so that you can, you know, build a deeper relationship with yourself. So you can become aware of what that gut feeling actually means. Cause sometimes you're excited, you're not nervous. Sometimes you're, um, you're very proud of yourself. You're not sad. You know, and so you may be crying, but you're aware that like, this is a good feeling. This is not, and that can infect your, your internal loop, right? What you're saying to yourself about your actions and about your feelings also matters. And so, um, absolutely. I think that I'm intuitive. Um, and I think that I, I try to, um, try to use my intuition. I'm certainly not at the point I'd like to be there. There are times where you can feel I think you can feel wisdom flash across your mind, like, don't say this. <laughs> and that doesn't always work. Sometimes you're angry. Sometimes you're, you know, you're sad and you'll lash out. But I am, you know, learning and working to recognize in my own mind, hey, there was that moment where I said, don't say this. That, that's a positive. Even though I didn't listen to it this time, I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm, that voice is getting louder and I'm aware that that voice is there speaking and I'm going to make the conscious choice to listen to it next time. You know, it's like the, the ancient native American tale about the two wolves and you know, whichever one you feed most is, is the one that will survive and just applying that day to day. Um, so again, I don't, I don't know that I'm any more intuitive than the next person has the potential to be, but I do think that I'm very, very conscientious and intentional about using that intuition. Mm. It's it's a, it's always uh, you know I suppose when you get into the music industry, I mean, and the people you work with and the people you want to work with, I mean, how do you assess that and how do you how do you bring it through for yourself in terms of whether it's going to be a good fit and, and where you can take it? Well, that's a really really good question. Um, 
that can be very tough in the music industry, no, no lie, because there can be that juxtaposition of people who, hey, this makes amazing business sense. You know, it's, this is a beautiful business play, but there's no soul in it. There's no, you know, the, the, the well-being of the listener is not being taken into account at all. Um, and then you have the flip side of it where, man, this is an amazing song. This is a true artistic expression in the depth but it will never sell. You know, this dog won't hunt. You know, it's just not, it's not marketable from, from that sense. So I go into it, uh, you know, looking for, I'd like to say that happy medium. I find that my trajectory skews more towards the authenticity and the passionate side of things, because I feel that, you know, people do business with people. If you're making good, relatable music that people can resonate with, there's money to be made there. If you're making um, grab the bag of cash music, you can do that. But that I honestly think that's harder in the long run because you've got to consistently come up with that new flash in the pan act. You've got to consistently get bigger. The circus has got to get bigger and bolder every every iteration. Whereas, um, you know, again, I'm not attacking that model. I, I, I just don't subscribe to that model. I think if you really put your passion and your heart into it and you build a longevity, you know, you build a portfolio based on longevity um, and, and authenticity that you'll experience some true exponential growth, not only financially, but again, I can't stress this enough, in the emotional growth. When you look back over your own catalog of music and you respect it, that is gonna mean more to you than saying, I made this song called Scratching My Butt and it put my kids through college, but I hate that song. I can't stand that song. You know, they captured me when I was 16 years old at the dumbest time of my life. And, and I was talked into doing something silly. Um, and, and all I have for it is emotional success. You know, people still want me to sing Scratch My Butt and I'm trying to be an author. I'm trying to be a real estate investor. I'm trying to do all these other things in my life, but I've been pigeonholed into this success. Um, I, I just think that they're different models. But it can, it, can be, it can be a challenge. Um, but again, I said before, a wonderful challenge, I think, for those that have taken it on, those that enjoy it. You know, life is not, I don't think it's designed to be easy, but I think it's you find the challenge that gives you, you know, the most joy. You find the challenge that, that makes it worth it for you, and then, and then you get you some. I think that's, that's what life is about, finding, finding your challenge. And so um, it's, a, it's a great question. I appreciate you asking. It's, I'm curious as well, because I mean, you know, way back you talked about, you know, people going on tour and they're doing, you know, doing their concerts and things like that and, and coming at the end and there's little or nothing left. Uh, and then we talked a bit about, you know, sort of emotional, the emotional price, both positive and negative. How is it just a par for the course? Because I suppose there's more publicity and promotion and, and news nowadays sort of. I don't know, I'm, for some reason, Britney Spears and that's in, in my head where you've massive success, you've got a lot of money, a lot of exposure, then you get this sort of falls off and, and this sort of dark period. And, you know, it, do you believe it's possible to actually sort of take, take a smooth path all the way through the industry? Or is that just the nature of it where you got to try flat out and you try this and then, you know, you're going to have your highs, lows and, and just the, the nature of it. I mean, um, what's your take? It's a, a good question. I do. I, I think that based on what you're, what, what you're looking to get out of it, you know, it, it, it can be, 
when you, you asked about a smooth, a smooth journey, right? I think you can have a smooth journey, but I don't know if it's going to be as exciting as you want it to be. I think some of the excitement really comes from the, the craziness, some of the ups and the downs, you know, those what make the stories that you can reinvest and write more songs about, you know, people want to hear about you, the time you were on the road and the speaker lit on fire, you know, they want to hear about the crazy fans and, and stuff like that. Um, sorry, man, I, I lost my train there. Um, can you repeat the question? Yeah, just curious. In terms of, I suppose it's it's, a, it's probably a story for life. And I mean, how do you? Is it possible, or is it just life that you have these emotional yeah. waves? These, you know, I call it like your life ECG. You have your super highs, your super lows. But you know, maybe sometimes it is. You know, there's an expression I quite like in terms of you know to to uh, you know from great overwhelm comes great change. You know, and mm -hmm. and to see the light, you got to see the dark. So it's contrast, yes. right? You know, but it, it would be lovely if you could just flatline it and say, yeah, here's where we are. Here's what we're gonna do, and listen, we can all work together as opposed to human nature says that you know, I want a little bit more than you or vice versa or whatever. Yeah, I, I definitely think that it's, it, it's, it's definitely an overlay for life um, again. But music is so diverse. Again, we, we, we're talking about artists, you know, like Britney Spears. I mentioned James Brown earlier. Those are those are performing artists. But there are people who write jingles for commercials. You know, the guy who wrote the Double Mint Gum jingle, he's never put out a CD but he's a very, very successful music writer, you know? So there are so many different avenues that one can take. I just wanna make sure that I'm really encompassing the full spectrum of music when I answer this question. Because when I say it can be smooth, I believe absolutely. There are people who I've gone to school with, they took a, uh, they, were, they were in public broadcasting majors or they were in sound, uh, you know, they were mass communication majors. Right after that, they got a job at the university as a DJ. They did that for you know 10 years, and then they're gonna get jobs at the local radio station when they're done working at the university. So now I'm not in their life. I'm sure they would say that they've had some ups and downs, but I'm saying that's a that's a far smoother trajectory than you trying to be Britney Spears, you know, than, than perhaps Justin Timberlake has gone through. So I just, like I said, wanted to make sure I'm really encompassing the full scope of music. And that's another reason I love it so much is there's so many different facets to it. Um, there are people who are exclusively behind the scenes. Like I said, just about networking. Those are called A&Rs. You know, I just put people in the right rooms together and then they make whole albums and you don't even know that I exist. Um, so I think that there can be some some smoother transitions than others, but absolutely, I would never lie to anyone and say that music is some escape from the realities of life, which mean you're gonna have some ups and downs. It's not, it's gonna take hard work. I talked to so many artists who they use this language and I don't understand it. They say, when I get famous, man, when I get famous, I'm gonna do this. When I get famous, I'm gonna, man, when I, when I get famous, I'm gonna do this. And it's like, what? What is that? Is do you get a certificate of fame? Do you get you know? Is there a is there a will a Google notification show up and tell hey you're now famous? You know, like today is when you start taking yourself serious as an artist. Like when does famous start? And 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 it's really not. I'm not so against. Like I said, having that mindset of looking forward, I'm not against that. But when I'm saying it, when it's a crutch of just like 
hey man, you need to organize your music portfolio. You need to have some of this stuff in order. If, if, if Fire in the Belly reaches out to you and says that they want to do an interview, do you even know your story? Do you even have your, your taglines? Do you have anything ready to go? Oh, when I get famous, I'm going to have all of that. How, how do you think you're going to get famous, right? Famous doesn't find you. You've got to get out and, and do the work and then, you know, a bunch of people have heard of you at, at a certain point, but it's not like you just hit famous one day. And so I, I think that is very important, um, you know, for artists to, to, to recognize that and to acknowledge that it's not going to just happen like that. Priority wise, I mean, what, what, what sort of, what are you enjoying more? Cause I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing obviously you, you've a, a real close affinity to, to the music itself. You know, you have a, a, a passion and interest in the psychology. You love the connection piece, you know, your own brand and the marketing piece. So it's, that's kind of the picture I'm getting in terms of, you know, but is there one part that actually stands clear for you? And, and that sort of is, the, is the, the golden thread, as I would call it, or the North Star that pulls everything else along? I think that if I had to really boil it down, I would say it's relationship management. Um, I speak about relationship management um, at like conferences and things like that. And I think that if you can understand that basic concept, as much as music resonates with me, I think that relationship management can resonate on a deeper level with more people, whether they're, they make music or not. I think the, the idea of you being the CEO of your own life, uh, you really being in charge and being able to determine who are the people that I look up to, who are the people that I commonly associate with, like my peers, and who are the people that I am making myself available to as a resource, who is looking up to me. I think those three categories, and with you at the center of that Venn diagram is how I envision it in my mind, you have a result of that, you get to pick who am I looking up to? Whose information am I allowing to weigh in on my mind? Who am I sharing that information with and unpacking that information with and, and cross-referencing our ideas with. And then being aware, like I spoke about before when we were talking about pain and music, other people can see you, right? Being mature enough to say, okay, even though I am dealing with my own thoughts, my, I'm a, my, my actions are showing. Other people can see me. I am a part of this ecosystem. Who is looking up to me and how is what I'm doing influencing them? And having a balance between those different areas so that you're not overwhelmed. You may feel, man, I don't have any mentors. I don't have anybody feeding into me. And I've got this giant group of people who need me. That's gonna cause you to feel overwhelmed. It's gonna cause you to feel bogged down. Or if you feel like, man, I don't have anybody who listens to me. Nobody looks up to me, but I constantly have these authoritative figures talking down at me. That may make you feel small. That may make you feel pressured from above. And so, Again, I, I use language that shows feeling. I really talk about feeling a lot. And I think that when you manage your relationships and, and primarily the relationship with yourself, I think is, is paramount. How you talk to yourself, how you interact with yourself. Would you, if when you listen to your inner voice and you listen to the, the like I said, the internal loop, if that was someone else, would that person be considered your friend? 
the way that you talk to yourself, would you hang out with another person who constantly talked to you that way? And if the answer is no, then you have an excellent opportunity to rebuild and repair the relationship with yourself. The answer is yes, you're, you're, you're probably on your way. You're probably doing great things because you have a reinforcing and encouraging internal loop. And so again, outside of the music, I think that relationship management, and you know, I could go on for, for days about that, but I think that that concept and the, the wisdom that's encompassed in that topic has really the potential to open up doors no matter what your, your field of um, expression or career is. That relation, I love that. I mean, all the different, you know, relationship and, and I suppose it's understanding values too and it's matching your values, the, the other person's values, throwing a bit of ego too, I suppose, and expectations and all that. And, you know, you're just trying to find that, that balance line between getting, well, I suppose a win-win, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Getting a win-win. Hmm. In regards to marketing then, I mean, talk to us about the different levels of marketing, you know, that, that, that you would see and, and really where, where you're trying to, to get across really what marketing. Cause I mean, I suppose I would know it as, you know, you see the jingle on TV or on the radio or whatever. I mean, that's, you know, but there must be, I'm sure there's God knows how many layers of marketing. There's, there's, there's tons of layers. Uh, to give an example, I'll use the conversation that we're having right now. Um, I have a, press kit that I send to podcast hosts. And I say, hey, I'd like to be a part of your show. Here's a little bit about me here. You know, I've got some prepared things um, that I shared with you. That's a part of the marketing. That's a part of the branding right off the bat. I, I want a podcast host or a television show host to understand, okay, this guy's got some level of professionalism. You know, this is not just some kid in a basement who claims he's putting out music. This guy, and I can tell that I haven't listened to one song. I can tell this guy's got a level of professionalism. Whether he's doing it or he's working with a team, this guy takes himself serious. That, that matters. Wearing, uh, there's, there's, so what I'm getting at is that there are different levels of marketing. There's how you're perceived directly. If I'm talking to you, what words am I saying about myself? How am I carrying myself? What's my voice like? All of that matters. Going back to, again, branding yourself, marketing yourself. Then you've got um, some, some higher tiers or different, I don't want to say higher, just in a different space where you and I right now are on a podcast, right? So we're, we're, they want to see my face. They want to hear my expression, things like that. But on a, if I'm talking to a radio host and I'm trying to get my music on there, this interview may not help me. He doesn't care how good you do on podcasts. He wants to know how your music performs, right? So you've got to be able to market your music completely different than you market yourself as a guest on shows. Um, now, they, they need to go hand in hand. You know, you can't have two completely separate personalities, um, but I think that they go hand in hand. And so there are different levels of marketing. Then you may have, say, like a national marketing campaign. They're certainly not going to get into this level of depth um, with, with every single question, right? They want to know, are you single? What's your favorite color? You know, stuff that they can get to the biggest, broadest demographic at a time. And you've got to be able to operate on that level as well. Um, and so I think that there are absolutely different levels of marketing. 
Um, and going back to what we've already said before, it starts with mindset. You've got to market yourself to yourself. You've got to believe that you're worth it. You've got to really feel that, you know what, my music, my paint, my poetry, whatever you make is worth learning about it. Because even if you don't handle all of those functions, it would definitely behoove you to know and have knowledge about those functions, those marketing functions, so as to not be taken advantage of. It makes, yeah. I mean, it's, I suppose, motivation, branding, you know, perception, but what's coming across there is your clarity of your message and being able to apply that to whatever comes along, whatever medium that you can flex and, and but it is true to who you are. Yes. Yes. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And being one of the things that I think most as a marketer, <laughs> most people think that a marketer is a magician of some sort. So I come to you and I say, Hey man, I want to be a rapper, right? I want to be big. I want, I want, I want this marketing campaign. And in my mind, for some reason, I think you have all the answers. And if you've ever dealt with a marketing company, if you've ever dealt with a website developer, and I'm sure you, you probably dealt with this as you were doing your branding, all they do is ask you a bunch of questions that you have to answer. Okay, what is your branding story? Okay, what is your main message? Okay, who's your target audience? Okay, what's your demographic? And you're like, wait, I thought you guys were gonna come. Oh, no, 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 no. We help you formalize and understand the importance of this information. And we may manage it on an ongoing basis or provide you with status updates, but this is your brand. You are expected to know this and the marketers are like supplemental. They are here to, to, to help you. Um, again, that's the model that I subscribe to. In, in some label situations or record companies, they may just take it take it from you and, and you, ju you just show up at the photo shoot and put on whatever clothes they tell you to put on, but you don't really have a lot of creative control in that scenario. So I, that's not the path I've taken, so I'm just not speaking to that. Um, but, but absolutely, you gotta be, um, you gotta be aware of that. You gotta be aware of that. In terms of, in terms then of the sort of your own musical motivations, what's what's your what's your go-to in terms of your listening? I mean, if you're your get up and go music, your your workout music, where where's where's your genres? What's what's your what's your go-to? Man, I really like I do like like the hard um like I like the heavy metal drums, but I can't I, I the vocals don't do it for me so much, but I do like that energy. Um I really, really like, you know, hip hop, spoken word, love that. Uh, I love classical. Classical is my favorite kind of music, hands down by far. Um, and I like it loud though. Like I like classical music at hip hop volume. <laughs> I like to really bump it, bump it. Um, and I love the storytelling in country. I can't always get with the fiddles and, and some of the other instruments, but I can appreciate that they are instruments and that, you know, some, some people very much enjoy them, but the storytelling in country is, is, is sometimes unmatched. So it's really a broad spectrum. But like I said, if I had to, 
you know, give me one type, it, I, I would I would take classical. I feel like classical music is the, um, it's almost like the Sumerian of music. I mean, like it's the backbone on which other other music is is really drawing from. And so, if you enjoy music, you know, like I enjoy music, then classical has all of those elements. It's got the deep, rich um, bass lines. It's got the highs. Um, it's got, you know, the, the violins that will truly, truly like take your mind somewhere else. It's amazing. Um, and the medley of songs, you know, when you talk about transitions and things like that, I, I mean, classical music is just that, that if I had to pick one genre that, that would be, that'd be my happy place. Bumping just, I mean, extremely loud classical music. <laughs> What's your go-to song? <sighs> Man. Um, Flight of the Bumblebee is not a bad one. That's not, that's not a bad one. Um, but I really, I don't know that I have one. I just, man, you hit me with some Beethoven and that, that guy gets off. He, 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 goes, he goes down. <laughs> if you were to be one of the instruments in, in an orchestra, what, what, what are you? I think I would be the little triangle. <laughs> <laughs> why I think, I think I'd be the little triangle because again like I mean he's there you can't you can't deny that he he's he's right there in the symphony with the with the big big cello you know he's right there with the violins he's right there with the trombones you know and I feel like he just gets so much attention. Like when he, when he, when they pull out the triangle, like, you know, you know, there's, there's nine saxophones, there's eight trombones, but there's only one of those little triangles, man. <laughs> I got to rename you Sly the Triangle. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, all the rest of them come so qualified and they're tuning and they're doing this and they've got these massive cases. <laughs> Oh, you have the triangle in your back pocket. You're like, hey, I'm always ready, man. I'm always ready. <laughs> uh, I don't think you can. You shoot the triangle? I don't even know if you can. Oh, I love it. It's so, so simple. simple. It's man. just like that's, that's works. The name of the game: simplicity. You could rock up to an orchestra. You could rock up to a rave, and hey, man, you've got a gig no matter what you do. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's awesome i gotta ask i mean in terms of you know where, where are you at in terms of your mental state i mean are, are you do, would you say you, that you love yourself that you like yourself do you value yourself i mean your own personal and you talked about little voice you know are you good in that sense do you always practice it and, and keep going i'm definitely getting better um you know i'm a human being so i've got my good days i got my bad days um sometimes it can be a struggle of, because, you know, you asked before a really good question and I mentioned I was raised a lot in, in, in a lot of this methodology. So sometimes I have that question of like, do I actually believe this or am I just repeating what I've been conditioned to say, right? Because I'm aware of, again, the, the psychological implications of, you know, environment and nature versus nurture and all of that. So it's like, do I actually believe it? Um, and so... I would say, you know, overall, I'm, I'm definitely doing well. It's a, it's a day by day type thing. And uh, just my, my environment 
consistently reinforces, you know, I can look around, I'm surrounded by people who love me. I'm in a safe place. Um, like I spoke about before, I'm currently doing something that fits into my dream for my life. So absolutely, you know, at this point, it's, it's, a, it's a very good day. Um, but I'm also dealing with some stuff. You know, I've got, I've got a loved one in the hospital as we speak, um, you know, sometimes dealing with relationships, um, you know, having, having different uh, tensions in those, uh, those interpersonal areas that, that still also exists. So I, I can't say that it's ever just, life is just all sunshine and rainbows, um, but, but it is definitely on an upward trajectory and, and staying, staying humble though, re, you know, recognizing that without the sun, you know, the, what is it, sunshine and rain? You guys know the song. Without joy, without pain, you know, joy doesn't feel the same, that, that, that conundrum. <laughs> but um, I'm just saying, you know, feeling that and, and recognizing that balance. So um, I would say overall, I'm in, I'm in a good headspace and definitely, definitely moving towards some, some amazing, um, some amazing things, some amazing things. What's, I mean, for you in terms of, you know, uh, an overall mantra, I mean, where, where do you, is there a, sort of a, an ethos that you live to and you apply everything? Follow to? your heart. You got to follow your heart, man. Um, follow yeah. your heart. And, and I say that very specifically because I used a term earlier where I said you have a gut feeling. And I think that gut feelings and heart feelings are different. They're sometimes similar, but I do think that they're different. So when I say follow your heart, I really mean that, um, you know, show love. I think that even in, like I said just a second ago, relationships, sometimes they're tense. Sometimes there are breakups. Sometimes there are uh, the, the ending of friendships. And I think even in situations like that, you can handle them with love. You can handle them with poise. You can handle them with class. Um, and so I think that following your heart is important because it helps you to eliminate the opportunity to look back with regret. You know, if you, if you look back and I think we spoke about this a little bit earlier about don't look back and think if I had done this and if I had a, you know, just, you can look back at things and, and have fond memories or just objective memories even, but, but, you know, eliminate that potential for future anxiety. You know, I don't want to put anxiety on the shelf that I'm going to open when I'm an old man. I'm going to look back like, mm, this is my regret jar. I don't, I don't want to do that. So I think by following your heart, you can really make some decisions now that you'll, you will feel, because you, you are you. There's a consistent, I think, thread of life. Even though you're not necessarily at that future point yet, you're still that guy. You're building the memory that that guy's gonna look back on. And so you are able to architect in some way that future life. You're able to architect right now what will be a memory. Um, and so I think, you know, hands down, follow your heart is, is my number one. And then uh, my follow-up would be, let, let's get this money. That's, I, I like that. I mean, the simplicity of that and, you know, you being you is, is so, so key, you know. I mean, it's really all you got. I mean, when you, when you, when you boil it down, you know, like it's, it's all you got. You may as well embrace being yourself. I think for a couple of reasons, one, we, we talked about the avoidance of pain. It's, it's very common for human beings to, you know, attempt to, to be others 
but the cognitive dissonance is shattering. I mean, it can literally ruin your life when you when it dawns on you at forty something that like, oh my God, I'm I'm not Denzel Washington. <laughs> I'm me. You know, like why set yourself up for such a crushing blow? Um, it, 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 it doesn't have to be that way, you know. And the other reason I would say is finding out who you are and walking in who you are is it's it, it'll take you a lifetime to do you know like it's its own adventure it's not like something you have to just do in passing or try to squeeze out time like you're a whole human being you know you have your own whole story to unpack um and that and you got front row seats to that so that's that, that's just a wonderful opportunity you know to be yourself and and i really believe even when we, I believe that the experience of self is all there is. So even when I'm watching a movie and I'm watching Denzel Washington, in my mind, I'm overlaying me into the story. That's what makes it gripping. When you're reading a book, you see yourself as the character. You see yourself as every character. It helps you to see different sides of yourself because you have to imagine them. If I tell you about a character, you, your imagination creates them in your mind. So again, the power was yours the whole time. You can create entire scenarios in your mind. Um, and, and I think you have the opportunity to use that to your benefit. That's so powerful. And I, and I loved like what you talked about way at the start. It's like, you know, it's a medium of music being a medium of expression, like a drum beat to somebody else, but that is allowing them to paint the picture in their mind. It's, it's a common drum beat regardless of your ethnicity your language who you are what you are the top of the rung bottom of the rung and i'm pretty sure denzel is probably out there looking for you by the way but um <laughs> you know but it's true that the medium of music allows you know that sort of that, that commonality amongst it all but also allows you to, to overlay your own picture and but yes. off the same foundational base yes yes you know? and even when a person is seeing like even if we're looking at the same thing, we see it differently. And I think music allows that same functionality just through a different you know, hole in your face. Instead of coming through your eyes, it comes through your ears, but we're both able to listen to a tone and enjoy it and then have a conversation about why we enjoy it. And those reasons can be diametrically different, but we're still connected because of, again, the vibration of the music. No, super powerful. When you're, you know, for you downtime, you're you're writing, you're just having fun. I mean, what's you know, what is your 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 timeouts? Man, I'm watching anime. Um, I might be working out. I'm really trying to get more into yoga. I have all of the stuff except the like yoga. You know, I got <laughs> I got the it's yoga a mat. Pill, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got the yoga. He's like, it's a pill. I got the yoga mat. I got the yoga ball. I got the yoga outfit. You know, I just, I just got to do the yoga, you know? Um, but uh, I, I love anime. I, I research. I mean, I'm still, I'm not as heavy, but I'm still the kid with the thick glasses. So like in my downtime, I really like to read. <laughs> I really like to research. I like to learn. Um, and um, sleep. I can't, I can't really sing enough praises for sleep um everybody should should check that out i don't think people are getting enough um gotta get some sleep you know gotta get some sleep dreaming i really really like uh dreaming it's, it's interesting you mentioned downtime that's what led me to sleep 
but um, really working to unpack, you know, some of my dreams, get more, more in control uh, of my lucid dream state and use that to um, really put some of the pieces in place on a subconscious level that I want to manifest out on the conscious level when I rise. That's cool. I love it. I love it. So tell us in one or two words then. I mean, for you, what's, what's your fire in the belly then? Man, my fire in the belly. Um, motivation. Motivation, man. Motivation. I think that motivation has multiple facets. It could be positive or negative. You can have positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. But if, if it motivated you and drove you and motivates you to strive to more, then I think the end... Uh, justifies the means. Um, take that with a grain of salt. You know, there's some there's some crazies out there, but I think motivation is is really really my fire in the belly, um, and and not just not quitting. You know, not not giving up. I think that that's a, a very very path of least resistance, and it's natural for the human the human condition to go towards the path of least resistance. Um, but I think that the rewards of not giving up far far outweigh. The, the relief, the, the perceived relief of, uh, of giving up, mm. no matter what your endeavor is. So in terms of a lasting message that you'd like to leave with the listeners, what, what really is sort of your core and what are you trying to put out? Um, that, that's a lot. I feel like they could, get, they could get more depth if they, you know, follow me online or check out, check out the music. I do a lot of unpacking. So whatever they listen to music on Spotify, Tidal, Amazon, you know, whatever they're listening to music, they can search Sly the Deuce, S-L-Y-T-H-A-D-E-U-C-E. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty much talking about a lot of the things we've talked about here today, you know, protecting your energy. Um, like I said, relationship management, just being aware of who's in your life, being aware of how you're talking to yourself. I think that that would be paramount. Just be really, really aware of how you're talking to yourself. Because again, that, that's your most powerful ally. If, if, if you and I, I, you're my best friend. I'm not gonna let anybody just disrespect you while I'm in the room. I'm not gonna let somebody slap you around while I'm in the room. And if you have that, your own inner voice that has your back, it has your best interest at heart, you'll start to accept less disrespect from others, right? You'll start to put yourself in positions where you feel more confident, where you feel like, man, I deserve to be here. I belong here. These people respect me and I respect them. And, and your life can change in a very powerful way. So mm. like I said, if I had to leave a, a truly lasting message, it would be, um, you know, download Slide the Deuce, check me out. And, um, you know, really, really consider the relationship with yourself. Consider how you're talking to yourself and ask yourself if, if, if another person talked to you the way that you talk to you, would you consider that person a friend? That's awesome. That really stands out. No, cool. Sly, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, you know, listen, it's it's always good. It's always good to, to share like-minded views and, and everything else. So thank you. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons, and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.